Today we want to begin our lesson on resurrection in part two. And I was thinking about the fact that the early church, oh, they were so excited. They were excited about the death of Christ and his bloodshed, but listen, they were very excited about resurrection. And when you go to the book of Acts, almost every message has resurrection in it. Listen to these words in Acts 13. It says this in verse 28. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet the Jews desired that Pilate should deliver him to be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of Jesus, they took him down from the tree, laid him in a sepulcher, but God raised him from the dead. The power of God, the plan of God, I, I love it. And a little later in, in verses 38 and 39, it says this, that through his resurrection, we have forgiveness of sins, and next we have justification from all things. You see, the law couldn't justify, but the death and the shed blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ can justify. And so join us as we continue our message on resurrection. And I like to think that Jesus looked down at the cross and said, wow, God the Father, you'll recognize one of these guys that's going to come to you. He's wearing my coat. You let him in. Because the Bible talks about how the soldiers were convicted after the crucifixion. That they said, one of them said, truly, this is a righteous man. You see, all this took place. Exactly. Do, do, you think, do you think the crucifixion was an accident? 109 details. Now, the reason I keep emphasizing that is because, you see, I think sometimes you don't understand the odds of this. Sometimes I take a quarter. I can't do the whole thing today, but I'll do it on another occasion. But what are the odds when you flip something that it's going to be a head or a tail? Thomas, what's the odds? 50-50. Wow, way to go, man. You are... You're, you're on your game today, all right? So if we want to get an accident to occur, and we're going to simulate it by flipping coins, I'd have to flip two coins, wouldn't I? One would be a head, one would be a tail. Because 109 details. So in order to get 109 details, and none of them wrong, I would have to flip a quarter 109 times, and every time it would be a head. So, if you want to know the odds, because let's say we had two predictions. We want to make sure that we, we get two in a row. So, how many coins would you need to flip? Sean, I'll help you out. Four. You were going to say four, weren't you? Way to go, man. Yeah. So, when you flip four, we got tails, tails, heads, head. The tails are done. The two guys who got heads, they flip again. One's going to get a tail. And one person out of four gets two heads in a row. With me? Yeah, you got it. Okay. So now let's do three in a row. If you're going to do three in a row, how many coins do you need? Adrian. And he said eight. Right? So eight people flip. And of the eight, four get tails. They're done. The four that got heads the first time, they flip again. And two of those got tails. And so now two, and they flip again. And so one person out of eight gets three heads in a row. Are you with me? Follow the pattern. It's a numeric progression. Let's do four. Andres. He said 16. You can't fool these guys when it comes to math, right? 16. So 16 flip. Eight get tails, they're done. Eight had heads the first time they flip. Out of the eight, how many get double heads? That's right, four. Way to go. And they flip. And how many get triple heads? You're right, two. And now they flip and one. One person out of 16 would get four in a row. 
let's just do 10. 10 in a row. Coach knows this. I'm not going to pick on him because he, he didn't get it right away. But 10, 2 raised to the 10th power is 1,024. I now need 1,024 people with quarters. Now, of 1,024 people, only one gets 10 in a row. He didn't fulfill 20. Let's, 10. Let's do 20. Now I need 1,540,760. Yeah, a million. Let's just round it off to a million five A million people flipping a quarter. One. One gets 20 in a row. It gets worse. A hundred put six billion people on every star that we know in the universe and give them all a quarter. And the odds say no one will get a hundred heads in a row. And he did a hundred and nine. And you tell me it's an accident. I remember watching a professor, a history professor at the university when I went through those odds. He said, wow, wow, wow. I said, so that means you want to become a Christian? He said, I would, but I'm afraid what my wife would say. I said, oh, big, smart professor. Afraid of your wife, and I bet your children. He said, yeah, my children probably say something too. I said, well, I have plenty to say when you drop into hell. He was a good friend. I could say, I could talk to him. And let me tell you the same thing. How do you defy those odds? Let me tell you this, in hell you'll be flipping quarters. Because mathematics is impossible for this to come through by accident. Every detail coming true exactly as the Bible said and exactly as the plan of God had. You see, God's plan is infallible. God had a plan. God's plan. You see, Jesus agreed with the Father that he would do this to save us. He didn't do it because it was comfortable. He didn't do it because he didn't feel pain. He did it to save us. Listen to this. There's an incredible story. It's in Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 23. It said that, that sometimes what they would do, they would take, they would take vinegar, and they'd mix it with wine, and they would give it to the person who was dying, and, um, and they would do it because it would be a pain reliever. And the reason I put both Mark 15, 23 and Mark 15, 36 is because Twice the Bible mentions the vinegar story. Want to know why? Because he refused to take the pain killer. And then the Bible says this, that another soldier came. Look at that. 10, 13 verses later. Another soldier came and put a sponge filled with vinegar. Why, why is that? Some of you know the story, but others don't. There's two things that every Roman soldier had that were his personal item. One was a, a sword. Because, you see, the Romans were so particular about their, their small sword. They, some of them had a, a large sword, maybe two or three feet long. But there was also a small sword, and that was the one that they did hand-to-hand combat with. And so usually the blade of that sword was somewhere between 14 inches up to 24 inches, depending on your size. And so they would have an individual sword perfectly suited to their hand and to their strength. But the other thing they would have is that every Roman soldier had a sponge. Yeah. Because the the Roman army went so many places, and many of the places they went to were not sanitary. Are you with me? And so a soldier 
part of his personal equipment, he had a sponge. And whenever he went to the toilet, he would, he would sit, and, and usually the, the toilets were made of stone. They weren't nice padded chairs like this. And they would sit like this, and that's how they would take a dump. And then, because disease was so prevalent, they would use the sponge to wipe themselves. Are you with me? It's as gross and filthy as you can ever imagine. And so this soldier, in mockery to Jesus, takes his dirty, filthy, polluted sponge and puts it up to the face of Jesus. You see, the mockery being sold by a friend, the mockery being betrayed by an insider, the injustice of being beaten when they said he's done nothing wrong, the bloody mess that it made, insult after insult, you wouldn't do that to a dog, would you? Can you imagine doing it to Jesus Christ? Let me tell you this. To reject Jesus Christ as your personal Savior is worse than a filthy sponge. Yeah. And the harassment of Jesus continues on. Do you understand that when the Bible speaks of his suffering, it says this in Luke 23. Jesus then says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can you imagine that? You see, have you ever tried to forgive somebody? Pretty difficult. I mean, let's just say while I'm up here preaching, you know, Bernardo, he, he sneaks around there and he comes around, he gets my billfold and he knows where I keeps my credit card and he takes that and... and uh, and, and lo and behold, we, we, you know, we say, okay, everyone stay seated because someone stole my credit card. And we find it there in his, in his uh, sweatshirt. What do you think I'd do to him? Send him home? <laughs> in a bag. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, do you think I'd be aggravated? Good. Yeah, yeah, not really. Yeah, oh, Bernardo. Thank you for the compliment. No, I mean, when somebody, when somebody just done all they've done to him, Jesus, while, while he's still in the agony of this, he looks and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. On the cross, in the height of the pain, he was willing to forgive them and to forgive you and me. That's love, isn't it? Wow. And he'll go through seven sayings, and, and we don't have time to do all those sayings. That's why I, I'm offering to you a free copy of the book that I've written on the power of the cross and the seven sayings of Christ, and you can have one as you leave if you'd like. But the last one is this. He cries out, It is finished. It's interesting because, you see, in, in the Hebrew language, that's one word. It's really the word that you say, victory. It's like when you're running a race and you're coming to the end of a, a track meet and, and you cross the finish line, you say, victory. He didn't say, 
I'm finished. Because you know what? The stone would be rolled away and he'd come alive again. He said, it is what was finished. The payment for sin was finished. You don't have to, the Bible says you can't get saved by working. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest someone should boast. How? We're saved by grace. We're saved by, by the fact that Jesus died on the cross. He said, it is finished. The work that saves is done. And those seven sayings show, again, the sovereignty of God and the, the unique plan of God. And then I, I want us to, to look at this verse in John 19. Just, just one verse. It's so important. And uh, it says, John 19, 13. I, I I'll read it to you. And you'll see why I think it's so important. <clears throat> but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they broke not his legs. You see, usually what happened on the cross, and especially on this particular time, because it could be a, not just a holiday, but it's going to be a high, holy holiday, they had to get the dead bodies off the cross. And so when a person was crucified, they, they were hanging there with no clothes. They were, they were mocked, made fun of, and they would push themselves up on the little, the, oh, by the way, they nailed him. Can you imagine driving the nails through, through the hands of Jesus and the feet of Jesus? And then they would take that cross, they would throw it down into the hole. And so a person would hang there. And usually when they hang there, uh, they, would, they would curse those that were around. But, but you read the seven sayings of Jesus every time, it was, it was something that brought honor to God and showed his care and, and love for you. And, and they would begin to sag, and they would begin to sag. And pretty soon, actually on the cross, if they made it to the cross after the beating, they usually died of suffocation. Because when they slew, went down so far, they couldn't breathe. And so they would, with the last bit of strength, they would raise themselves up, get a breath of air. They would probably curse somebody. And then they would begin to slide down and slide down. And if you finally wanted them to die, you'd come along and you'd break their legs. Because then, with broken legs, they had no power to push themselves up and get air, and they would suffocate. But that verse says this, that when they came to him, they said, he's already died, because he said, it's finished. And he died. And listen to what it says. Already died, so they broke not his legs, that the scripture might be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. You see what I'm saying? Every detail was that way. Wow. What a death. The, the Bible goes on to, to say that how they would do it. They said, okay, where are we going to put him? And earlier in the Bible, it, it said this, it, it predicted that he would be put into a rich man's tomb. His name was Joseph of Arimathea. It said he was a wealthy man. In the same passage, it said that, that he would be crucified among two thieves. How do you pick the people you're going to die with? How do you pick the tomb that you're going to be buried in? And then they said, the trouble is, we don't know. Maybe, maybe the, the disciples will come and, and they're, going to, they're going to steal his body. Do you think Peter was in any mood to steal a body? Do you think Mary could have moved the stone? And so here's what Pilate said. He said, all right. He said, you set a watch. That would be the soldiers. You roll a stone, a big stone. You seal it and put my signature on there. You see that, that stone with the seal? If you broke that, you're in trouble with, with the government. You see, 
It was a military, a scientific, and a political watch. But let me tell you, when the angel came, hmm, he tore that away, didn't he? And then one other passage I want us to look at. Isaiah 52 says this, that his visage was so marred more than any man. By the time they were done with Jesus, he was more disfigured than it. What you see there is nothing to what really took place. And then it goes on in the following verse, sorry, it goes on in the following verse. It said this, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. His visage was more marred than any man. And then the next one says this, and you couldn't even recognize him as a man. On the cross, when they're all done, he looks like a piece of meat hanging there. And that's the powerful son of God. He did that. For my sin. That's how hideous my sins are. That's how hideous your sins are. Can you imagine someone loving you that much? If the story ended there, it would be tragic. But do you understand what happened? Do you understand that the soldier confirmed that he was dead? They put him in there. There was a watch made. I want you to hear a song by one of my favorite singers, David Phelps. And think of him, he's singing it as, as he's the, the man Peter. Listen to his powerful song as we close. You see, here's what it said. It said that on the cross, he defeated sin, he defeated death, and he defeated the devil. And when you admit, I'm a sinner... And when you accept what Jesus did on the cross as payment for your sin, he saves you for heaven. If not, guess what? Then the devil's still king over your life. He'll take you to hell. Jesus died to take you to heaven. Every debt was paid. Every debt of sin was paid. You guys probably don't owe very much money, but, but can you? what if you owed someone $10,000? You got 10000 on you? If you got it on you, okay, you're my best friend. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, if salvation cost a hundred, do you have a hundred thousand? Okay, yeah. Salvation is going to cost you ten million. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? Salvation's worth a hundred billion. We can't afford it, but Jesus marked it paid. Hey, you want to know something? You know what's worse than the soldier who beat him when he was blindfolded you know what's worse than the soldier who who made the crown of thorns and stuck it on his head you know what's worse than the soldier who came and and did an autopsy with a spear and put it in his body and ripped his body open so that blood and water you know what's worse than the soldiers who who nailed him to the cross unbelief on the cross he said i'll forgive them all i'll forgive every if they beat me i'll forgive them if they put the crown i'll forgive them but if you don't believe that I died according to the scripture and raised again according to the scripture, he says, that's a sin I can never forgive. My friend, in hell, your memory works really good. He said the rich man remembered. Wow, what did he remember? He remembered that he had a chance to change and he didn't. My friend, you'll be replaying, you'll be flipping quarters in your mind saying, why didn't I believe? Why was I so stupid? I didn't. You'll be saying, why, why was I so pride? You want to know something? I can't help but think that there's someone today 
that says, you know what, I'm tired of being a fool. I'm tired of being stubborn. I'm tired of being ashamed. And today, I'll admit, I'm a sinner, but I want to change and I want to go to heaven. And I'm going to take the death of Jesus, the bloodshed of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus as the payment for my sin. And today, right now, you could become a Christian. My friend, as we close, if, if you want to talk about it, I'd be glad to show you. The, the Bible says you can know. You can know beyond a shadow of doubt you're on your way to heaven. That's a security that this world doesn't know anything about. But you do when you're a Christian. Let me ask you this. Someday, the Bible says that you're going to stand before God. And he's not going to ask you, how well did you do in science? Dad, he's not going to ask you, what was your calculus grade? He's not going to ask, Ben, did you score a goal? Javante, he's not going to ask, did you dunk? But he's say, Bernardo, what did you do with my son who died for you? That's what he's going to ask. Everyone here will be asked that. And you're either saved or you're lost. You're either on your way to heaven or you're on your way to hell. But I want you to know this. Jesus paid the debt for you. The reason he took the sponge, the reason he took the nail, the reason he took the thorn was to pay the debt for you. And you know what? There came a day when I said, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I take you as my Savior, and I'm on my way to heaven. I wish you could be on your way to heaven. Today, as we close and you leave quietly, there's someone who wants to talk. Please stay behind, because I'd love to show you from God's word how you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're on your way to heaven. Happy Resurrection Day, because the tomb is empty. Father, we come to you. I thank you for the plan of God. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you most of all for Jesus Christ. What a Savior. What a Savior that went through all that beating for us. And Father, what a song. He's alive. He's alive. Oh, what a relief it must have been to Peter to see that he was alive. And what a relief it was to those who followed him. He's alive. And Father, what a relief it is to us today. He's alive. Father, may you convict every single person here as they go out the door. What have I done with Jesus? Because to reject him is far worse than crucifying him. Father, we ask this, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.